This is it, man. This is my first um, Hot Topic episode of the year. And uh, it's still about climate change. And uh, I'm still a comedian. and But this is a new year. And uh, on this episode, my first guest for the whole year was Andy Haynes. And um, I actually didn't really even know that he is like a climate change guy and uh it was really interesting having him over and chatting with him about all this stuff because he's actually pretty knowledgeable and calm and good at talking about it which um I mean not that he's my first guest to do that but I'm I uh I I just love that I have this so that I can have this opportunity to chat with people about what's going on in the world um and hear that so many people are actually engaged with it is kind of surprising because when I started this I felt like uh like uh I didn't know what to say I don't know who to talk to I just felt like a crazy person I'm st- I'm definitely crazy, but um, when it comes to being concerned about climate change, uh, I'm. Uh, it, it turns out I I think I'm right about that. And unfortunately, that is a true thing that um, that is good to um, be concerned about. Um, not that you have to be unhappy. Um, not that you have to be frightened. I mean, it makes sense to be frightened, but also like. Uh, you can, you gotta, I I guess you gotta have some spiritual stuff happening. And I, that's actually some sense that I got from Andy that he's, uh, uh, done some spiritual work who, who to, who to figured, you know, cause I, I could tell that he, he meditates and he, he's kind of like in a zone, not that he doesn't get depressed or spin out or I don't know him that well, but, um, but it, it seemed like he's done a lot of personal work and, uh, and I don't know, I, I do get excited about the new year and, you know, and my goals and stuff like that. And uh, and I, I went I, I went to a yoga class today. I actually went to a kundalini class today, which is like, whoa, wow, <laughs> what? You know, in the past, I would have never done that, um, mainly because I'd be very concerned about um, cultural appropriation. But I tell you what, I, um, I need that shit. I need this it's just like these breathing techniques and there's, uh, and, and it's all, it's, it's like, um, acu, acupressure, but without needles. Uh, and it's like in movement and it's just like, I swear to God, like, I don't know anything about chakras or something, but it was crazy. What was, what was happening to my energy? Like, um, I'm going to try to do this stuff every day. Like, um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a fire breathing, which is basically kind of like you're panting, like, I don't know, Google it, uh, Google the, just, you know, I, I guess, uh, 
I, I want to feel like uh, less afraid to just um, do my thing. And uh, I want to, um, gosh, and then, then the end of the class, there's this, okay, it's, Kundalini is a little woo-woo too because at the end there's like a song that you sing that's like, let the light of love shine upon you. And uh, always surround you. I don't know if I, I get the lyrics right, but it's like, uh, and it keeps going. And it's like, let let love guide your way on or something like that. And at first, okay, you sing it to yourself, um, which is really nice. And then you sing it to like um, those around you that you want to project it to, maybe people in your life. And then you sing it out to the whole world. And then he mentioned, like, you know, sing this for people that really need it and, uh, like, maybe people that you want to feel love, like, uh, that need it. Like, then he mentioned Australia. Ooh, yeah. And I, I, you know, I was singing this song and thinking about people and little koala bears, uh, which aren't actually bears in Australia, and all the fires and everything. And I just, like, I had tears rolling down my eyes because I... I, I feel a lot of uh, sadness a lot and um, and pain of, of others that are, you know, having this devastation of, like, huge, massive wildfires. Man, that, I mean, when when your air gets smoky, and we, we have this in California, but, I mean, how long it's been going on in Australia is just, like, oh, it's so devastating, but... Um, to kind of like be in this spiritual kind of space where I'm like, uh, you know, whatever, projecting my love out to them. It felt, um, it, it felt really powerful to me. And, uh, and I feel like when I'm in that state of like giving (laughs) that I'm laughing at myself because I, (laughs) and when I'm in that state of giving dude, no, um, (laughs) Like when when I am at, when I, when I am in this place of uh, of love and not fear, I feel more powerful. Like I feel like I I can um, be more involved in politics and protests, and um, and I can and I can research and and do stuff when it's it's like it's less um, debilitating or um, I don't feel so stuck when when I feel like I'm when I am kind of my energy's right and I'm and I'm centered and grounded anyway that's just me the new year I'm sure I'm gonna spin out a million times this year because it's still I still human and uh I'm a weird guy and uh, I'm gonna keep doing comedy I've got a uh, new Friday show it's every Friday at 10 p.m at Cafe Tropical it's called Cult Comedy it's five dollars and uh, it's like this great little space, and I, I get kind of excited at the idea of like, well, first of all, the ceilings are so low, so it's like you can really feel the energy of everybody in a space that's small with the ceilings low, and the, the laughter just like reverberates, and um, it's kind of more connecting. So, you know, in the past, I've had shows like at Lost Weekend Video, Rest in Peace, Shout Out Mission Position, um, man, that show, like, that was a weekly Thursday show, and, uh, 
and I felt like I got, I got to let so much out and I processed so much there and I got sober there. Um, like during the course of, uh, running that show with quite a few people, namely, uh, Kate Willett and Matt Lieb is my most, uh, long-term mission position, uh, running, running partners, co-producers is what they're called. And, uh, you know, also there was Torio Van Grohl and Trevor, um, and, uh, (laughs) Trevor's like my one of my best friends and I just forgot his name. I want to say Trevor Hill. Uh, well, there was this guy I went to high school with called Trevor Mueller. Um, so that's the name that popped in my head. He was a trumpet player. One time I pranked him <laughs> and, uh, cause we were in band together. We both played trumpet and I called his, uh, I called, we were like on a, we were playing pet band for the basketball team. There were all these basketball teams in the hotel and cheerleaders and everyone that would accompany these basketball teams. And I, I prank called his hotel room from my hotel room. And I, and I was like, hi, um, this is so awkward. Like, are you like that blonde trumpet player? Um, my name is Sissy, Missy, <laughs> something. I don't know. And then I'd be like, I'm actually a cheerleader. I'm here with whatever high school team I said. And uh, and he was like, yeah, that's me. And uh, anyway, funny, great guy. (laughs) But uh, gosh, I I just loved to prank people in high school. And um, and into college, I think what really killed pranking was um, social media and um, cell phones. Okay, because in caller ID, you know who's calling you, first of all. And um, April Fool's is no good because, like, everyone wakes up, they open their phones, and it's like, hello, it's April 1st. Everyone's making status updates about April Fool's Day. So, anyway, maybe it's all for the best. Uh, But, um, anyway, uh, like always, please reach out to me if there's anything, anybody you want me to talk to or anything you want me to talk about. I hope I like wish you all the best and uh, with uh fighting uh the billionaires and the assholes that are um putting profit above uh human lives in this world like um thanks for being with you know each other and me on this fight to um save what little bits we can of each other and and uh the planet as we know it today and uh keep uh doing what you're doing, loving life. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to, uh, to be like, you know what? The universe is very vast and we are mortal and even earth, even after, even without climate change, earth is temporary. So, um, you know, put, putting things in perspective that, uh, that every, everything is temporary. However, I don't want to let, uh, the, 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 I don't want to give in to the darkness. I don't. I don't want to give in and roll over and let people um, uh, shit on beautiful paradise nature. It's like literal. It's like we live in a paradise. I mean, I know that life is hard and we and it's dark and all this stuff. But it's just like, have you ever gone outside? It's nice. It's nice out there. It can really suck too. But it's just like. Okay, 
It's been five and a half years since I've done any drugs, but uh, I feel like they've had a lasting impact <laughs> on me. So anyway, without further ado, I, I hope you um, like this conversation with Andy Haynes. Uh, please go see him do comedy. I did a show with him this week, and I was like, fuck, I need to write, because he's so funny in his jokes. Like, he wrote, he writes, you know, and... Um, I was a little distracted talking to him because, um, as you'll hear, I had an eye injury. <laughs> so I hope you listen long enough to hear about um, what happened to my eye right before Andy came over. And I hope that uh, you have some good conversations about climate change soon. Love you. Bye. Oh. Okay. Welcome, Andy Haynes. Hey, thank you. How's it going? It's great. It's How? a beautiful day. It is really nice. It's kind of hot in here. I'm sort of surprised, pleasantly. Um, That's what I came here for. I am in California to be hot. Great. Well, I'm glad, because last month got pretty cold, so this is Yeah, well, I mean, I, I live in New York. Right. And so I came so, here specifically. I, like a lot of people will be like, why are you in town? Are you working? Do you have a meeting? Oh. And I'm not here for anything other than I'm skipping winter for one month. Gotcha. Okay. I think that's a really fabulous idea. Are you just doing shows and Yeah, I'm sure that out? I'll get to do something. You know, I'll get to go. Uh, I'll have a free water bottle from some production company or studio. Oh. Or, you know, maybe I'll audition for a commercial Oh, that's exciting. But um, I'm not here for show business reasons. I'm here for personal. I'm, I'm doing a lot of walking and reading and unfortunately a lot of shopping because I keep on like going to Target's at like 11 p.m. and just what, buying What things. kinds of things? Well, I'm staying in a house that nobody's ever lived in. Like that's how this all happened. Because oh. my friend, my ex-wife bought a home. But she's having it completely remodeled in March. So oh. until then, it's just a house that's sitting there empty. So I'm staying there for two months. And it doesn't have... It, it's got some things, but it doesn't have, like, everything. So I keep on being like, oh, we could use some some kimchi and right. some paper towels. I right. bought a projector. That wasn't the wisest oh. decision, but I've, I'm feeling good about it. But you can keep it, or is it for her place? No, it's for me. It'll be for touring. It's she tiny, should just like she should song. just pay you to uh, to decorate her apartment or well, her house. I think they're going to tear it down, like all the walls, and then rebuild it. Nah. But I could still decorate it, maybe. <laughs> A temporary decoration. <laughs> Pop-up decoration. Do you like shopping? I do. I love it. I find that I like I like to go into Target or CVS or something and then just like I don't actually buy anything. Um I just like to look at things and know that they're there. Mm -hmm. Particularly like CVS or Walgreens. Um I just like to go down all the aisles mm -hmm. and just know that I, I just have there's so many things. But that sometimes backfires on me cuz I just think about the packaging. Oh. I think about all the plastic. I don't care as much about the paper. For some reason paper seems benign now. Right. But plastic I'm just like, oh no. See, I don't I don't buy anything. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm it's like looking at a museum to me. And yeah. I, I am trying to like go plastic free. That's one of my things for this year. That's great. Which is weird because last year I used a Swiffer to Swiffer my whole place. Uh-huh. And now I'm just not buying any more Swiffer. So now I don't know what to do. Like I have a broom. But I wonder if there's an eco Swiffer. Yeah, that's something to Google. Got to check that out. But that's definitely... You just have to wash it, like, just by the little yeah, that things that you wash. Yeah, some kind of attachment. Look for... I bet you could even Amazon it, Eco I, Swiffer. I could probably put a fucking rag on the Swiffer. Yeah. Just, like, put a rag on it. But what's weird to think about the Swiffer is it's probably not biodegradable. It definitely has plastic right. on it. It's chemicals. And last year I used hundreds. And they're just thrown away. Yeah. Which means, like, they're not biodegrading. I mean... It's so crazy. We don't have to deal with any of our garbage. That's such a, a luxury. Like, our garbage all goes away. I would go to these villages in Central America, and they would have, like, a dump area, and then they would just set it on fire when it got too big. Wow. But it was, like, sometimes it was really sad because you'd go out to, like, a beautiful forest, and then you'd find the dump, and it would be, like, the middle of, like, tropical forest. Yeah. Anyways, I get, I get sad about, about yeah. waste. It's really weird. Yeah, I went I went to the Bahamas for my Thanksgiving break, which like this year. Yeah. Wow. That's not like a normal thing for me. That's like a one-time freak thing. Yeah. I'm not like every year I vacation in the Bahamas, but um I did this year, but driving through the island it was just like there was trash everywhere on the beach and then we got to our resort and it was beautiful, but it yeah. was just like I was like, oh, do these places that, like, all these companies started selling all this shit to just not have the infrastructure to, like, no, have all this trash? Like, their infrastructure is the ocean. Cause, yeah, like, they, don't have, they don't have the infrastructure, and then they also... They're just like an island. Like, where would they put all that shit? And nobody's you know? buying it anymore, either. People used to buy it. I think what the next phase of it will be, they buy you... the recyclables. People used to buy it, and people don't buy recyclables anymore. There's too much of it. Right. Like, China stopped taking our recyclables. Right. But um, I think what the next move is, is they're going to start launching trash into space. Are you serious? Yeah. Do you remember there used to be this computer game called, like, Trash in Space? No. I just used to play it at school. Like, it was one of the first computer games where you just, like, had to shoot at, like, pizza boxes and stuff going through space. So I guess, yeah. So I, I just, I guess I'm feeling like there's just, it's so hard to back off of what's happening. Like plastic is so cheap and convenient and it's just like. It's also petroleum based. Right. It's like we're just in a nightmare situation. Yeah, it is a nightmare situation, but I have had times where like going to, to like, like, um, this one time I had really bad diarrhea. Okay. And then I clogged my toilet and then and then the toilet started spilling shit over the uh-huh. toilet. And then I remember that after that I went to Target and I just bought like every caustic plastic cleaning supply item I could because I felt like I had to to survive. Like yeah. it made me feel so good. Like Yeah, yeah. Like that was the beginning. I actually bought the Swiffer wet jet right after that because I was like the Swiffer is the end of diarrhea on my floor forever. Well, I think it's you really have I to I was like traumatized and then the the consuming was the like maybe I could have like cleaned it up with sneeze. <coughs> Sorry. With I could have cleaned it up with something like normal 
and then just like meditated. No, the, I the think trauma. you were smart. <laughs> I think you have to kind of balance it. It's like a balancing act, right? Like sometimes you're going to buy a bunch of shit that's bad. Right. It's like sometimes you do bad. Sometimes you eat bad too. Doesn't mean right. you're a bad person. Right. But, but it, you should be conscious of it. Yeah. But I feel like even someone doing my, I, well, I don't know if I'm doing my best, but it just feels like, um, like, God, this is so hard to back off of. Like as a society, it seems so impossible. Yeah. I mean, if we want to talk about, would like you, this is about global warming or climate change. The one thing that's fucked about it is that a large majority of our trash ends up in the oceans and partial, a partial consequence of that is that marine life is suffering hugely. You know, we're looking at like mass extinction. And then on top of that, because of that, um, communities that are sea based, you know, like fishermen, like that's their sustenance, like they aren't going to have food anymore. And, um, we don't really think about that. Like, that's the weird thing. Like my girlfriend right now, she doesn't recycle and I'm like trying to tell her and she's like, well, I don't have a car and I don't. And I'm like, yeah, but like all the consequences of our consumerism really are the consequences. They're not going to be on us for a while. They're going to mainly be on these other people. There's other stuff that will be consequential. Like we're, you know, mass storms and things like that. Fires. Fires. Yeah. Um, hotter and hotter temperatures, all those things. It's funny that you you said I don't need to know a lot about this because I do know a lot about it. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that because that's uh, a lot of people's main, like, reserve for doing this is they feel like it's going to be, like, a, a news story, but that is, like, what it is now because you're uh, knowledgeable. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's a large swath of people writing about this, how it's, like, it's kind of like a racist thing because, right. you know, we're just like, we're just consuming and being like, well, I don't see the consequences, but communities around the world are suffering from our consumption. And like, you know, there's like pollution in the making of our consumption, Yeah, you know, that like affects these communities. Like to make plastic is obviously a pretty toxic endeavor. You have to get petroleum. You have to find, um, I forgot the name of those things, but you know, it's just a lot of waste and a lot of like the byproducts are chemicals and pollutants and things like that. And then on top of that, like climate change in general is going to affect brown people a lot more than it's going to affect white people, you know. So, yeah, you've been talking about this and thinking about this for a little bit. Is it it's something you're like comfortable talking about? Does it send you into a spiral or you're just like, I can talk about this. I'm used to it. I'm, uh, well, yeah. it's funny that my friend that works at Tesla just called me like minutes before I walked in here. And that's like who I've kind of, he's been my, my guru as far as like understanding that, that like the, the boots on the ground facts about climate change, which is that, you know, we're just, we have the technology not to reverse it. We'll never be able to reverse it, but we have ways to mitigate it. And we also have ways to um, to fix problems that seem unfixable. We also have the technology and the brain power universally to be better about it. You know, to figure out what to do with carbon in the atmosphere, to figure out what to do with plastics in the oceans, 
and there's people working on this stuff, and eventually it probably will be lucrative. But right now, it's not looking good. Yeah, we might go into a war or something. Is that real? Well, we basically killed the vice president of Iran. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, here's the thing. I don't really know what we can do. Mm-hmm. Like, me and you can sit here and we can be, like, conscious of this stuff and try to make our changes. But, like, it's a very privileged place, I feel like. And also, most people, even if they have the privilege to do it, don't do it because people are just assholes. Right. You know? Like, my girlfriend, <laughs> she's an asshole. <laughs> That's an asshole thing to do. To not recycle, it's like the least you can do. And the only reason she doesn't want to do it is because she just doesn't want to like separate the two. I go through her garbage daily. But it's weird because it's like that's how we've been programmed. Like it's like there's such a disconnect that I'm just like, I think what I'm experiencing right now and like part of the reasons why I started doing this and like wanting to try to learn how to talk to people about this is because I feel like I would randomly bring it up and then I would just get weird faces and then I'd feel like kind of a psychopath or something. And then I, so it's just kind of like, I look around and I'm, and I see that we're behaving the same way and we're still like flying around and driving around and doing all the same stuff. And I'm like, crazy. I'm like, is this like a, is, are we all like in a collective psychotic state? (laughs) Well, I think we're definitely in a trauma-based state. Oh, yeah. I think that we have a few things going on. I think that, um, are you a depressed person? Because I am. Yeah. I I take antidepressants, and I've done a lot of work on trauma and, um, like, just depression in general as as a cultural phenomena. And I really think it has to do with how separated we are from our own existence, right? Right. Like, Nothing I do dictates the day-to-day survival of my life. I guess, right. like, you know, I don't drive into walls and I don't walk off of ledges, you know. Those are, like, two things. But, like, aside from that, like, I don't grow anything. I don't hunt anything. Most of my money isn't, like, hand-to-mouth. It's, like, digital. You know, like, so there's no connection to my actual survival. And the existential... um quandary that that leaves us in, I think it leaves us depressing. They're depressed because... You know, what do we what do we seek like the safety that is like in our DNA mm. of like family, home, food, sustenance, whatever. Like all that stuff is like it's so abstract. Right. That we look for things like social media, shopping, yeah, consumption, wow, fucking. I feel like I'm not only do I have a disconnect with like myself and nature and all of that, I feel resistant to it like when I'm like I could go on a hike right now like I really have to talk myself into going outside yeah like it's like a and it's weird because I know like when I go I have the best time Uh uh-huh it's like meditating and yoga right but what it's like there's like a block so I I feel like that kind of could be what's happening with your girlfriend and recycling too it's not just that it's like laziness it's like it's like I have to I have to not do. I have to not do that. I, I have to not be connected. <laughs> I think she's just a bad person, and I want her to hear this because <laughs> she won't listen to me. You, she she makes fun of me. You know, my partner's had like a lot of uh, changes. I think in the past couple of years that have nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. but um, he was like really into the idea of like not wanting to be a hypocrite. So like, oh, if we start trying to do these things, then we can't do anything. Yeah. Like then we can't drive. And so so that used to be his thing is like, 
when I would talk with him about, oh, whatever climate change or whatever's happening, I think it would stress him out because he would, he's like, well, then we would have to, I'd have to, I'd have to quit my job. I'd have mm-hmm. to like. Well, I think that's the thing is like, you don't have to do that. You don't ha- like, you can still be a consumer and you can still take care of yourself. But it's like, if we all collectively made these small sacrifices, we need to make grand sacrifices. But if we made like collectively, just like everybody, you know, didn't idle their car. Mm-hmm. Everybody didn't, um, you know, not recycle, you know, whatever it is, like these small little things we do, we don't buy plastic bags, you know, whatever it is, we just make like 10 point checklist and everybody in the world does it. We would see huge declines in waste, in uh, carbon emissions, things like that. But um, everybody's so resistant to it because it's almost like it's that same kind of thing. Like when you tell somebody they're like, not to hit their kids. They're like, you're going to tell me how to parent? You know, it's like, yeah, you're going to tell me how to live my life? And it's like, well, we're all going to die in like a superstorm. So I'm, I would suggest it, you know? Right. I'm not trying to be depressing either. I think that life, you know, we're all going to die no matter what. Right. So it's not that big of a deal. But this planet and all the beautiful things we've done, probably some of them are worth saving. Some of them will survive. You know, stone, pyramids, big trees, certain parts of the ecosystem, right? certain animals. Yeah. But um, I don't want to, like, be 80 and, like, fighting for water. No, I just... That I, seems lame. I, I, don't, I don't know if I will fight. I haven't had to be in a survival state, so I don't know. But I just imagine myself just, like... Yeah, I also don't know these people that, like, are trying to survive the apocalypse, like, what they're trying to survive for. Right. You know? I mean, I... I don't want to die, like, being, like, a slave and, like, getting, like, macheted. Right. But at the same time, I'm fine with dying in, like, a mass fire. Right. Well, I mean, there's my uncle who's, like, a survivalist, but he doesn't believe in climate change, but he does believe in revelations. Oh, wow. Good for him. I think, but... I think he thinks he's going to have to survive a lot of the beginning stages. I don't know a lot about it, but I know he has a lot of guns and like a lot of silver. And I think that he wants to live for uh, the white race. I think that's his motivator. Oh, is he that? Kind I of don't like, know. Uh, these are projections. Is he a supremacist, do you think? <sighs> well, I actually, these are all like kind of uh projections of mine because i'm not positive but i know that he is a trump supporter Mm -hmm. and he bought a land in idaho Mm -hmm. and he listens to a lot of a lot of extreme christian radio yep so i just feel like if then at that point you're buying like a lot of ammo and then like (laughs) silver and gold and shit like your motivation is like for this collective american identity of like yeah. I don't know. So I can I, I can imagine for him. It's so weird because that's like the same thing with, I don't know. It's so hard now because people are so stuck in their mentalities or their what, pathologies, I guess is what you would describe them as. It's really hard because you can't have a conversation with a Trump supporter. I mean, at least I haven't had a successful one. I I haven't really like tried too hard because I don't want to. I'm 
pretty anti-confrontational. I'll do it from the stage. But, um, yeah, I mean, that shit's, it's all weird. It's, I think it all comes back to the same place as, like, the depression thing where people don't have an identity and things like that. It's really weird to be a comedian in this time because a lot of stuff isn't funny. And a lot of people, like, you know, like, they'll be like, oh, you're dark. And it's like, well, shit, we live in dark times, babe. Yeah. I, um, I've i actually rolled back a little bit on the darkness since Trump got elected. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's pretty... But I don't think I've been a good comedian since Trump got elected because I've just been like, I don't know how to address what I'm feeling or I don't, I have a resistance to even wanting to try in that form of like, which is weird because I've always done that with comedy. I've always been like, I can talk about rape and like, (laughs) I'm that guy. Like, but after he got elected, I was just like, I can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really want to. I don't know how to be real and funny right now. It, it just feels like I have to not. I don't know. It's just like um, uh, I'm just like I'm. I'm just gonna coast on some Tinder material till some bit so, something else happens. I'm telling a bunch of sex stories. Yeah, a bunch of yeah depression and uh, being broke jokes, but I don't know. It's it's really weird. It's just because it's like that's the other part that's weird about being like essentially like part of media now is that like media is broken. Like the largest not I mean, I think the largest media consumed right now, probably across like a broad spectrum besides like Game of Thrones and maybe like Stranger Things is... um Joe Rogan Mm -hmm. or like those kind of things, which is like, to me, it's like our reality shifted. Like nobody knows what's real. Like people really think that there's like all these conspiracies out there. And I think that probably some of them are right, but like none of them are like, it's so funny because like it's blatantly like um, giant corporations and the government, because they're basically in bed with each other, are uh, trying to profit off of the existence of life. Capitalism is disillusioning the world. And all these, like, there's a very clear bad guy. And they're like, but there's a secret plot to, you know, and it's like, well, no, the plot's very obvious. It's capitalism. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, the, a lot and of white supremacy, probably. Right. I guess. Um, but. It, I just, um, I'm very distracted by the honking outside. <laughs> I think it's um, a fruit guy. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and it's, I only hear it when I'm podcasting. That's the only time they come around. And then there's a really great ice cream truck in this neighborhood. I love an ice cream truck. It is, it's the best ice cream truck in the world because when you look at it, you don't really understand how it's running. It looks like it's gotten ran over by three trains. Wow. It's like decrepit. Like it almost seems like a magical ice cream truck. Like it's like an illusion. It looks like. Like you buy ice cream and as soon as you touch the cone, the world turns (laughs) to like 1950 and you're just time traveling. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like. um... It's like the cab that picks up Bill Murray and Scrooge. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember that? 
Well, Please. hopefully as we're ending that, yeah, I do. I, I hope that as we're ending this, that he's out there and then we could go see what it's about. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for the world to see it. Do you have any questions about, like you, you said you're trying to kind of figure out climate change. What do you think your bigger questions about it are? I'm actually even trying to figure out what my questions are. One, yeah. one thing is just like, what am I doing right now? Uh-huh. Um, what's my deal? Am I okay? <laughs> <laughs> is every, That's I also, a good place to start. I also want to share that I, um, before you came over, I shot myself in the eye with my bidet. On purpose? No. I was like trying to clean the toilet. Oh, that's funny. And then I shot, I guess, but now I'm like, <laughs> am I going to get a pink eye? Probably not, unless the water's coming out of the toilet hole. No, it's not. It's coming out of a little jet. I mean, so I it just would have like, to shit on the jet, and then it would have to retain that for some time. And... It's like something that I use to spray shit. Nah. And then it sprayed my eye. I think you're okay. But I've... if it ricocheted, you might want to worry. But that's really funny getting hit in the face <laughs> with your own bidet. Yeah. I mean, talk about a fucking moral quandary. Right. It's just really the universe telling you. What does it tell? What is, I, I guess I haven't. This found is the, the consequences of your own bidet. <laughs> <laughs> your yeah. desire for just such a clean asshole. <laughs> Has ended up making you a fool. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, um, I did it so I could be more dignified, you know? Yeah. And the other thing is the curtain in my bathroom doesn't quite totally cover the window. So I, I'm always imagining that everyone is watching me. Also, I always have Instagram open. So While I'm you're like, shitting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, is Instagram also watching me? That'd be so cool if Instagram was like taking like secret data to see how often you were pooping. (laughs) And then on top of that, they were like coordinating your ads for it. The ad coordination is like so intense for me. Yeah. If we talk like, okay, let's say it's um, open right now. My app. It's listening. No, matter. No, people will say something to me and it'll pop up. Yeah, let's, like whatever okay. it is. Um, man, I really wish that I could find a good sale, uh, a, a good place to buy bamboo toilet paper. <laughs> I do too. I, I wonder. No, I've been getting a lot of rugs. I click. Well, I clicked on a rug thing, and now everything, everything I ever open is like, "You want a new rug? We've got." So weird because I like look on. I looked on Google for a jacket mm. and then that jacket started being advertised to me on Instagram. Yeah. So they're definitely in cahoots. And then it's like, why are we putting up with that too? Cause that's creepy. I just don't understand like why we have all the stuff already. Yeah. Like literally we, we have I all mean, the I clothes. I mean, I could use, I could use world. a rug. Yeah. And it's out there. It's already <laughs> made. You could walk probably like five blocks in any direction from here and get everything that you need for your home. I guess I worry it's dirty. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but so is like everything. Yeah. I guess the earth is kind of dirt. You got to accept that. There's going to be mites. There's mites in your Oh my right God. Now. I have such an issue. Yeah. Well, you didn't have an issue with rats in your ceiling. <laughs> That's so funny. That's true. 
I'm, I, but when it comes to bugs, I start freaking out, which I guess there's fleas on the bugs and stuff. I hate on bugs. the on the rats. Yeah, I have a big bug problem. I, I actually kind of have hypochondria, but for bugs. I have a problem with all things with exoskeletons. Mm. I don't want anything. Is to that do like them. crabs and stuff too? Yeah, but I'll eat a crab. But yeah. the idea of like, like I would lose fear factor. If they yeah. ever were like, okay, you got to eat this cockroach, I'd be I like, forget, goodbye, $1 million. I forget about Joe Rogan in that way. That's how he got there. Well, he he started with um, News. What was that show? News? <laughs> the News? I don't know. No, I don't know, actually. It was, uh, news Radio with uh, Dave Foley and Andy Dick and Phil Hartman. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like the brute in the office. And then he went on and he had a quiet couple years and then he got into Fear Factor. And somehow from Fear Factor, he started being a commentator for the UFC. And then also... And then he shut down Carlos Mencia. Huge day in comedy. Yeah, that was... Giant. That was crazy. Stood up for his boy, Ari Shafir. <laughs> I think that's who it was. I think it was Ari Shafir. I wa- is it weird I wanted him to be nicer to him, even though he was stealing jokes? I want it, It's like, I feel like the communication could have been, like, more pleasant. It's so weird that that's like a brand of comedy, isn't it? That there's all these guys that are, like, yeah. like, like basically trying to mentally get into the place of warrior. Right. But they want to be comics. I've kind of done that, too. Like, especially, like, quite a few years ago, I, I would... And I think, actually, I don't know if you know this. I think we went to the same college. Western? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you have a Bellingham uh, phone number. That's right. And uh, I remember you actually came to my school while I was going there. I think you were there performing with Rory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, I remember uh, that. Did I don't, you do comedy yet? I was just starting. Did you guys have an opener that was like um, someone that competed to... to like, I know it was some local that was... Um, I actually met him down here at one point. He he still does comedy. Yeah, it was like a local... What's his name? I don't remember, but he was friends with Hannah Crichton, who's a show business person, I think. But the thing was that was weird was that when I went to Western, I didn't know a single person doing comedy there. Andrew Slater went to Western at the same time as me, but we never crossed paths. I would drive to Seattle on Sundays and stay to Monday and do the open mics those nights. And then a couple times... I drove up to Vancouver and did open mics up there. Yeah. But I had no, it didn't even occur to me to go like, go to an open mic here and try to do comedy. Yeah. There was like one guy that started doing it. Mm-hmm. His name's Jim Stewart Allen. You know oh, I know him? Jim Stewart Allen. Yeah. He, he would do it for like two, he did it alone for like two years. And He's then a, a funny kid. And then there was a few other people that were like, I want to do stand up too. So then there was like this like little group of comics that we started going to all these open mics in Bellingham. We went to the Cobra Lounge, which okay. was a hookah bar. Do you remember nice. there was a bunch of stickers that said the Cobra Lounge is not a crime? Well, I remember seeing the Cobra Lounge when I would go up to visit because I had those friends that stayed in Bellingham. Okay. Which is such a weird place to stay it's beautiful if it's you want so that. beautiful but it it i had such a dark time it just really creeped me out it also feels like the kind of place where i would never feel like i was growing it feels like i would be like the same age from like 25 to 50 i also felt like in my last year of college that everyone was like 
that's you, Jessica, you do this. Mm-hmm. And like that. And like, if I was like, actually, I like this now, they'd be like, nope, this is who you are. We all know you. I'm so different than when I was yeah. 23. It's so weird to think. Yeah. It's also weird to think that that was, fuck, 15 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do. I actually do have a question about like climate change, which is just like, how, how do you talk to people about it or like, how do you interact with it? And as a reality? Well, I mean, I think that the, the most successful way to talk about it is positively and kindly. Cause most of the people who are climate change deniers and, or, um, you know, defensive about it, probably have like some kind of hang up about it. Like they either feel insecure about their own consumption or they just are scared and they don't want to hear things like that because it shakes their reality. It's like the same way I talked to my parents about it and they're kind of like, okay, but like deep down inside, they're just terrified of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think you can be confrontational. You can tell people they're fucking idiots. I mean, that's on the ground level. I've said that a bunch, but on the, uh, you know, on the face value, whatever, I'm not making sense. My (laughs) idioms are getting mixed up. It's very stupid to deny climate change. Every year has been a hotter year. Like we keep on being the hottest year. Um, Oil acidity levels, or sorry, ocean acidity levels are going up. Water's rising. Um, Forest deforestation is like huge. The amount of carbon in the atmosphere keeps on increasing. We all these scientific facts are happening, and there'll be people that want to like they can come at you and they can be like, "Well, scientists saw a similar trend in this era, and you know, why are they trying to cover it up?" And this conspiracy theory, or like whatever, or you know, some people just don't care because it's kind of a you know a bummer. Um, but I think the most successful way to talk about it is to know your shit and to be like, well, you know, I disagree. You know, I, I've kind of, you know, you have to do the research and I, um, you also have to make people feel okay. So if you come at them confrontationally, you better be ready for a confrontation Mm -hmm. because they're going to dig in because that's how everybody is. You know, it's like the, it's like if somebody tells you their favorite fucking whatever is you know, my favorite burger in LA is Oyster. And you're like, that's bullshit. It's clearly, you know, uh, what's that place? Astro burger, mm-hmm. which is true. Um, <laughs> people are defensive about the values they hold, but I think that if you can approach them with kindness and you kind of can be constructively counter argumentative, then you can kind of reach places like my friend, Jake, he he doesn't really like he's it's his whole life work. The one that works at Tesla is to uh, do as much as he can as an individual to affect climate change in the positive way. And if he sees somebody idling, he doesn't go up to them and say, Hey, what the fuck you're idling. He goes up and he goes, Hey, um, did you realize your car was running? You know, like he mm-hmm. tries to be because he doesn't want to alienate anybody. Cause that doesn't change people. That makes people dig in. Mm. It's the same, you know, with the whole situation we have right now with conservatives and neo-fascists and Trump is that people felt alienated and they, you know, when people feel alienated and scared, they latch onto something that will make them feel safe. And it just happens that it's usually a strong authoritarian 
kind of person, right? Yeah. That's what happened over and over and over throughout history. And I think that's kind of, you can kind of see it across the world. There's fascist leaders coming to power all over. And it's because people who, you know, we're very fortunate to even have the information, to even have the place where we can sit around and um, think about, you know, what climate change is. Yeah. So I, I think you, short answer, you have to speak to people respectively and you have to know the information to assuage them. Yeah. How, how optimistic are you or not, or like hopeful? Um, I'm kind of, I would say I'm not, I'm not optimistic. Um, I'm, I think that we usually have a tendency to get out of these things, but I also think that I have, in no way has it affected my life in a real way. Like, you know, a lot of the refugee crisis in Europe is climate change. A lot of the refugee crisis in America coming to the border has to do with climate stuff, too. Um, you know, we don't realize how little those, like, little incremental things, rise in temperature, lack of work, things like that can push people into certain things, gangs, sexual... Uh, yeah. Sex work, sexual violence, uh, human commodity, and... Um, so I'm not optimistic, but I don't think it's the end of the world. And I think that if we can figure out a way to be not complacent, then we could probably take care of it and at least uh, diminish some of the negative effects. I think we are going to see mass issues. Right. I mean, we're already seeing superstorms. I think water's going to rise. Countries like Bangladesh, you know, are fucked. Yeah. When I was flying back from the... Dip the Bahamas, you know, some of the islands like got re really hit bad by that storm, mm -hmm. that hurricane. And uh, the guy sitting next to me on the flight back uh, was talking to him for a bit. And I was like, oh, so you are on one of the islands that got hit by this Dorian. And he was like, yeah, I have 12, 12 family members that are just missing. And, I'm, and I'm flying to Florida to uh, get supplies to rebuild. Wild. And I, yeah, it was just like, it totally, him just saying that to me just changed my whole life reality. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but it, it's also just like, maybe, <clears throat> I don't think you, don't rebuild on the Bahamas. Don't live there. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's not, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know how much longer that's going to be possible to just keep living in Florida and the Bahamas. and Maybe live in a boat on the Bahamas. Maybe build a boat on land. Yeah. Get ready for the land to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought about that here. Like, if there's a fire, can I just hop on a boat? Should I have a little boat? Well, the... Helicopter? Oh, I don't know. There's not that much flammable stuff here. You're a little safe in the city. It's the air quality that's really going to fuck you. Right. Who knows? Right. What a way to go, though. Yeah. I mean, any second, though, you know, we could get a big old nuclear bomb compliments to Tehran. Right. There's so many things to be scared of. I know. It's... <laughs> it makes stand-up easier because you're just like, well, this is about as low impact as it can get as far as bad things happening. I can't even believe <laughs> that I was ever afraid of a bomb in the sense of a performance. Yeah. 
It's so unimportant. <laughs> and also something to get, feel good about. And I mean, it's like obviously like a privileged thing again, but like, no matter, like I, um, I am constantly in fear of financial insecurity because I make money doing stand up and I make money doing some other things, but I don't make the kind of money I would like to make. And a lot of times <laughs> I will make a little bit of money and I'll be like, Oh, this is like the normal amount of money. And then I'll spend it all. And then I'll be like, uh, fuck, I don't, right. uh, how am I going to retire? But I've never had 12 family members missing and I've never had to rebuild any kind of home. So right. it has, it's never been that bad. Yeah. So I think it, you know, I'm optimistic in that sense. I think we are, uh, we've done pretty well so far as a society. I think we deserve a little bit of a big hit though. Hmm. You know, I've always thought it would be better if it was some kind of, I think the kindest way for us to go out would be just a mass viral extinction Ugh. so like three quarters of the world gets the flu they don't wake up we got to figure out what because to do with all those bodies a but... virus doesn't really distinguish or a plague or whatever it doesn't care if you're rich or whatever of course you could kind of quarantine yourself easier if you're rich yeah but like if you don't have if we don't have like the vaccine or whatever for whatever it is yet then it's going to be kind of um not uh, discriminatory. It's kind of yeah. We need one of those. Yeah, we need something that's real strong. That's fucked up. Yeah, it'd be great for us though. I mean, I'm saying it'd be completely democratic if we could just cut the world's population down to one quarter of what it is now, knowing everything we know. Oh, it'd be perfect. Hmm. It'd be like cutting the world's age from 100 to 70 to 25 again. Hmm. I I would prefer like an asteroid or something too. But then the world dies. Does it? Yeah. An asteroid, like, makes, like, everything die. Right. Yeah. That's true. Because it cracks open the ecosystem. I just don't like to be sick. To me, though, I'm not even sure that it's, like, a population problem. Like, it seems like a, like, there's there's a certain, there's a certain group of people, like, the the world's richest and uh, most powerful that are doing most of the damage. True. I mean, I think they are, but I also think we have too many people. Mm. But I don't know. It's that's the problem. Is it's like, could we get back like with the numbers we have? Could we get back to a utopian, low impact kind of vision? Like I'm saying earlier, like we already have all the clothes for the world, but for some reason, it feels important to people to make new clothes and mm. sell those clothes. Yeah. When in reality, it's like people need clothes and they don't have them and we have them like literally yeah. just sitting around. So I wonder if we could get back to a place with the population we have now. I don't know. It's so hard. There's so much, there's so many clothes that Goodwill or whatever just throws away. Yeah. And just like even working, I work at the library and like people donate books all the time. And uh-huh. I think they think we just put them on the shelves, but we recycle like all of them. We get like hundreds of books a day. We yeah. don't. We don't have room. We we have all the books already. And also the clothes. Yeah. Are plastic. That's another thing I forgot. Oh about. shit! <laughs> it's more plastic. Right. It's fucked. Dang. Well, this is my first uh, climate change conversation in 2020. I feel very honored to be here. I think everybody should be optimistic, but they should have reservations because we have a big arduous journey ahead of us and it starts with the small things that we do you know yeah cool well thanks so much andy do you have anything else 
you want to say or plug? Um, yeah, I would say please, uh, please follow me on the social medias and then um, uh, vote for Bernie Sanders, support <laughs> his campaign, give $2.70, $2.70. Okay. That's his minimum donation. It's Ber- really easy. Bernie guy. Yeah. Not All a right. Bernie bro. Bernie guy. Bernie guy. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Andy. Yeah, thank you.